welcome to episode number 33 of the Solo Women RV Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Belge. My guest today is Kelly Beasley. Kelly is the co-founder of Camp Addict, and she spent five and a half years as a full-time RVer, and most of that time camping solo and boondocking. When Kelly hit the road, like many of us, she had a lot of concerns about safety as a solo woman. So she visited all the forums and picked up all the tips from other women. And after five years, she's ditched them all. We had a great conversation about why women need to worry less about their safety on the road and more time just enjoying the journey. Let's listen in. Well, hello, Kelly, Kelly Beasley. Thanks so much for coming on and being a guest on the Solo Women RV podcast. Hi, Kathy. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you, Kelly. For our listeners, Kelly is one of the founders, the co-founder of Camp Addict, which is a great resource for people who are RVing and camping and hiking and that kind of thing. And um, Kelly was on the road for five and a half years uh, traveling solo. And so she has a ton of experience and a lot of advice. And I really wanted to bring her on to talk about safety because I know a lot of women who are a little bit timid to head out um, traveling solo because they fear for their safety. And I feel like Kelly has a really great perspective on it, especially traveling by yourself for five and a half years. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that today. Uh, but, you know, first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got into RV travel and about the camp addict that you started? Sure. So I feel like my story is similar to a lot of people's story. Um, the reason I hit the road was I found myself in a place where I could. I had a breakup. I had a house I could rent out. <clears throat> and I had a part-time sort of portable job. So having a mom who lived in her RV for the past 20 years prior mm -hmm. to that might have helped a little bit. Okay. <laughs> but the idea of living for free and being able to live very inexpensively has always appealed to me. So I did it. That was back in 2015. I bought a travel trailer, 24 footer, and I bought a truck, ran out of the house, hit the road and didn't look back. Um, did it for, yeah, the five and a half years, but a full time boondocked. I yeah. stayed in a campground here or there in the beginning, but once I was sufficient and knew that boondocking was where it's at, I did not stay in campgrounds unless there was some reason, like if I had to go visit a friend that was in a city or something like that, then I would stay in a campground. But otherwise I kind of loathe them. Okay. <laughs> I much prefer being out in the wild. So it was mostly out, it was all out West and fantastic time. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us in a few words why you prefer boondocking as your preferred way or as your only way of really camping? Well, it's, gosh, why would I pay for neighbors, noise and <laughs> rules? Yeah. So like, instead of that, I can stay out on public land, enjoy the beauty, get to explore for absolutely free. It's to me, it's, it was a bit of a life hack. Mm almost like a secret. And I was a little bit worried that one day it was going to come to an end. People would be like, Oh, wait a minute. You're 
wait, you're living for free? And of course it's not exactly free. I have to pay for gas, I have to pay for propane, I still have my regular bills, but oh yeah, campgrounds, ugh, just sorry. Um, yeah. They're noisy, you've got kids running around, you've got neighbors who may not be the best and no, just nah. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, and you started out in a travel trailer. Is that, did you end up in the same trailer that you started with? Yeah, I did. I have so many friends who change. You know, once you, you get in it, then you realize maybe it's not suitable for your lifestyle or you find a different way you want to travel. But I still have that travel trailer. I do want a van. I'm see your van. In the okay. Yeah. I'm envious. I've wanted a van for probably the past two to three years. But at this point, I have come off the road as a full-timer. Vans are not cheap. And no. it be a very expensive thing sitting out in the driveway. So until I get to a point where it's like, ah, I'll just throw that money at it. No problem. Then I'll be getting to the van. But in the meantime, oh, I love that trailer. But I, it would be nice to have a smaller one. Yeah. yeah. Your need, you'll find your needs once you hit the road tend to change. How about you? Did you start with a van and you just, that's... Yeah, this is my first RV and I've only been doing this for four years now. So um, it's my first and I might want to, it's 20 years old and things are breaking and whatnot. (laughs) I'm fixing them, of course, but you know, I I do sometimes get envy of those shiny new vans that are out there. So I'm just waiting for this camping bug to kind of uh, pass a little bit and some of those to maybe become a little more affordable. I can trade up eventually. Yeah, that'd be nice. Or not. We'll see. Yeah, I'm super happy with my van. I love it. It's hard not to get attached, at least for me. What about you? Oh, yeah, I have a name. It's named Squeaky. And yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So absolutely. So let's let's kind of jump into the main topic I wanted to talk about here. And I'm just going to start right up top with the big one, which um, we're talking about safety on the road. And you had written an article, actually a couple articles about um, the myth that we need protection when we are traveling, especially as a solo. And when, when, when we talk about protection, I think we're not talking about um, safer sex here. We're talking about <laughs> firearms. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if you want to like maybe jump in a little bit about why you have this opinion that women are safer out there without guns. This is such a great topic. And it is one that I, I think just about anybody who's considering going out as a solo female immediately considers. It's like, wait a minute, am I going to be safe? Because in life, that's like one of the primary things we need, right? To be and feel safe in our surroundings. So I did what any solo female will and probably has done go on the internet and ask people the question and you'll find plenty of answers. You'll find a ton of answers, but yeah. the thing that is, is you're, uh, I did the, you know, I did the things that I read about that you've probably read to get an extra chair, put it out, you know, put yeah. an extra chair out, get a pair of boots, yeah. put the boots outside. So it looks like there's a man there. Um, you know, maybe carry a firearm. Uh, what else do they have? Gosh, there's so many different silly little things that, and I say silly little things because now I have been there and done that and neither myself nor any of my friends do these silly, goofy little things because it's just not needed. 
And my favorite point to make out to people, this is for other women, just so that they know and understand that hitting the road in your RV is no different really than just living your everyday regular life. So my, the, the thing I want to point out is, okay, well, you get in your car maybe every day or maybe a couple of days a week, right? And you, you travel somewhere, you go to the grocery store, you go to the gas station, you might need to go to the post office. Do you feel unsafe when you're there? Do you feel the need to protect yourself? Do you feel the need to have a firearm on you? I'm going to, I'm going to stretch here to say that probably 95% of the women who are listening, (laughs) probably are going to say, no, no, I don't. Why? Because you're just familiar with that surrounding because you don't put yourself in places that feel scary or like you could get harmed. Right. Hitting the road is absolutely no different. It's just a longer trip. Yeah. So just because you're RVing full-time by yourself, number one, nobody really knows you're by yourself. Number two, most people, most of the time, don't care who you are or what you're doing. Number three, you're not going to go drive down into the, the hood or you know a, a place that feels sketchy to you. So it's just not any different than you living your everyday life. You're out mm-hmm. there, you, you stay, you listen to your woman's intuition. If you feel un at a, not at ease in a place, you're going to leave that place. That's one of my main points I like to, to mm-hmm. share with people. Cause you know, once again, I started and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be out there in the wild. And that's, it, I'm going to be vulnerable because there's nobody else around. I'm going to be boondocking and come to find out boondocking is way safer than any city. Mm-hmm. It's there's nobody out there. That's, you know, of course, everyone's going to go, what about Gabby? She knew the guy, first of all. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy. He's not some random guy that hunted her down out on public lands. Everyone else who's out there is doing the same thing you're doing. They're recreating, they're having a good time. And again, not to say that nothing could ever happen to you. Of course, it can. You just listen to your woman's intuition, keep yourself out of those situations. You're mm-hmm. on wheels, leave if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I don't want to keep blabbing on if you have something to add. Well, I do want to ask because I know you did originally when you started out, you actually had a gun. Yeah. So let's hear that story. Okay. So that goes along with just the unknown. I'm going to go out boondocking. I'm going to be out in the middle of nowhere. I'll be hiking by myself. I thought, um, I I need some self-defense. So I thought it would be a good idea to get a gun. So I bought a Glock 19 kind of large, probably should have at least got something a bit smaller, but I was also thinking bears, which that would probably still just piss off a bear, mm-hmm. not uh, kill a bear. But yeah, you just, if I were ever to carry a firearm, I think it would be just because I'm hiking and have, I'm fearing an animal, but I've done plenty of that and I've never feared that either. So yeah, I went to a, um, I went to a place, bought the gun, did the gun range thing, tried to learn it a little bit. Uh, carried it, you know, inside my trailer. And gosh, then when I came down to Quartzsite, I got, I got a concealed carry permit too. And interestingly enough, that instructor stressed over and over again, and I'm, I'm glad to hear this. Mm-hmm. You should not carry a firearm or have, it's safest not to have one. He said, the best thing that you can do is get a shotgun. <laughs> Just have a shotgun <laughs> and be able to make that noise. So you're in your RV, uh, you know, bugging around outside, you go, and they know what that means. And they're, 
he says, they're not going to mess with you. So I was like, okay. But anyway, I kept the gun for a while. I did try going out with friends and shooting every now and then because I wouldn't remember. I would have it and I'd look at it. I'd be like, wait a minute, is it loaded? Is it not mm-hmm. loaded? Um, how do I reload it again? I just don't remember because I wasn't using it very much. That said, after about four, three and a half maybe years, I finally just really felt more uncomfortable. And by the way, I only carried it on me maybe twice going on a walk or a hike by myself. And mm-hmm. I always felt very weird. Just why do I have this? I can kill somebody with this thing. It's yeah. Um, so yeah, I only really carried it with me maybe twice that I can remember. Otherwise it was just sitting in the RV. And I will tell you this as well. I've had one experience on the road. It was in a campground. I was with a bunch of friends. It was a fairly remote and fairly empty campground. It's the one time I felt for my life. Mm. Some guy and his girlfriend, he was a little, he was whacked out. Maybe he was on drugs. Maybe he was drunk. It was about noon. And he started hollering and shouting around the campground at us, basically, because we were kind of these outsiders and he was very upset about that, you know, in his deranged mind. And it, we were all messaging each other saying, um, what's going on? Do you guys hear that guy? And, and we were starting to pack up to leave because we were really uncomfortable. Mm. Then he, he, he hoisted something onto his shoulder. Somebody thought it was a shotgun. I was like, that's it. I'm done. Did I pull out my little Glock 19? No. Like what, what am I going to do? Yeah, (laughs) That's not going to help me. We, we called the cops. Cops came, took care of it. He went to jail. Um, anyway, three and a half years in or so, I finally sold it off to a friend of mine because I just, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to use this. I don't need it. Okay. It just was not, it was necessary. Um, it felt more dangerous to have around again, because I couldn't even remember how to use it. Then it felt to keep. So I had it. I understand now that it really isn't necessary and I got rid of it. Yeah. So Kelly, um, I know you also mentioned to me that you have, that you've actually been held up by gunpoint. Oh yeah. Yeah. And Um, so I would kind of think somebody who's maybe been held up by gunpoint would actually think that a gun would make them safer. So I want to hear that story. Okay. So this was, um, mid 20, my mid 20s, not the mid 20s. I'm not that old, but it was back in the 1900s. <laughs> it was the late 90s. So I was in my mid 20s, a girlfriend and I were going out and we were going out. We were to check out this new country bar in little five points or five points. It's a little kind of near downtown area in Atlanta that was okay. real hip. And I don't know what it's doing today, but it's real hip and cool at the time. And so we were trying to find a place to park, didn't want to pay for parking. So we found a side street, a little back alley and parked there. And my friend couldn't find something or I couldn't find, yeah, I couldn't find my keys. So we were standing outside on the side of this little alleyway and a car pulls up behind us. And I look at them and I thought they're waiting for us to get out. I probably waved my arm at him saying, we're not leaving. And I turned back into the car. Next thing I know, there's a guy standing right next to me with a gun right at my face, past my face, I think pointing at my friend. And he, he said, give me your, give me your wallet. Give me everything. And 
you know, um, we tried to give him everything we could. I couldn't give him my wallet and keys because I couldn't find them. Mm. But yeah, he grabbed uh, my camera, some of her stuff and took off. They had pulled forward. He, he pulled in, got into the passenger side and they took off. So that was it. Um, I That's frightening. It. That's very frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking back on it was frightening. I think at the time I was just shocked. Like, is this really happening? But it was us putting ourselves in a bad place at a bad time, you know? Um, and I, I blame that for that incident happening. Sure. It can happen anytime, anywhere, kind of, but um, that was us being young and stupid. So mm. no, it, did I ever consider going out and getting a gun after that? Absolutely not. Did I carry mace or anything on me? Maybe I really don't remember. But to this day, I don't carry something on my person at all times. I just yeah. keep myself out of, I'm just not, I don't want to be paranoid like that. Anything can happen to you at any time. It doesn't necessarily have to be a human doing it to you. Um, it can be, you know, or it could just be an accident, a human car accident, whatever. Right. But, uh, no, it didn't cause me to just go, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm never safe. And <laughs> I don't know, carry a weapon with me all the times. No. Right. Yeah. It's funny. You talked about mace or something, and I was just trying to visualize what would have happened if you tried to mace somebody who had a gun to your face. I don't think the result would probably be very good. No, he just, he was a a man in desperate need or just a bad guy and wanted our stuff. Didn't want anything to do with us, but sure. I I thought of that. What if I had a gun and pulled it on him? He might've shot me. (laughs) Yeah. Um, no, we just, just said, okay, sure. Here you go. I mean, things are, are things. My life is worth way more than that. So if somebody wants my things, Hey man, take it and I'll replace them eventually. Yeah. yeah. So, gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, you're definitely somebody who I think, you know, let's, I respect your point of view for so many reasons and, oh. and that oh. just adds to it. Right. One of the things you, d- you do talk about is not going in bad areas. And I don't like to use the word bad, but that's your language. So um, I just kind of want to have you say, like, if you're camping and it's a bad area, how can you tell it's a bad area? And if it is like, what, you know, what's your advice? Oh, so it's funny. The campground situation I already mentioned mm-hmm. wasn't a negative feeling area. It, it was fine. It was fine until that person came into it. Then we all were packing up and we were going to leave. And it's that one was pretty obvious. I mean, you got a crazy person out there yelling and screaming middle of the day. Um, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. There's one time I was traveling with my business partner, Marshall. There's one place we did pull into, it might've been near the, what, Port of of Angeles. I think it was near, is that a place? That's it. That would be Washington, but yeah. I'm sorry, it was Washington. Yeah. Um, and we pull in and there was just, somebody kind of walked across the front of the car and just kind of looked at us funny. And I don't remember the specifics of it, but both of us were kind of looking around going, yeah, I don't know. It just, it felt like there are, there's definitely places in different campgrounds where you have a lot of homeless type people coming to mm-hmm. stay for the night. Some of them completely harmless. Some of them are looking for things to steal or yeah. whatever. So I think this was just one of those places. And we left 
gosh, do we even, I think we stayed one night and we left the next day and me even being with a friend, we were like, "Mm, you know, I don't, I just, we weren't comfortable with it. Yeah. I think I'm thinking about my scariest night and it was, um, it was in a campground, um, but up the road there was dispersed camping. And, um, I think it was, and this was in Oregon, um, kind of a methy area. Like you say, I listened to this podcast and, uh, yeah. And that was, that was my one scary night. And I, and I wanted to nothing leave. happened to you. Well, nothing did yeah. happen. Yeah. I did want to leave, but I would have had to pass through where all the commotion was happening in order to leave. And so I okay. stayed put. And that is again, the advantage of having a van or a motorhome over a travel trailer. You could just yeah. walk to the cab and drive off. Yep. And that's something my mom always thought was really important. And I was always like, but that just, but it is a perk. It's a perk. Um, so if that happens, yeah, you don't have to get out of your thing. And especially you don't have to hitch up if you've unhitched. Right. Oh gosh. What else did I want to say about that? Okay. We were talking about bad areas. Yeah, yeah. Like what's a bad area. I also just want to let women know or solo travelers know if you're out in public land away from anything, that's when you're the safest to absolutely. Mm. I've, I've I've never, not saying it couldn't happen, but I've never had an incident or a place where I was, I felt unsafe. And again, because that, that's because hardly any people are around. Yeah. The places where you're going to typically run into this are more populated. So say uh, Schneider Hill here in Tucson, it's a really small little boondocking area, but it's in town. So again, you have homeless people, people who are looking for the low-lying fruit yeah people and things are around is going to attract more of the people who are up to no good so yes i've i will definitely lock things up and be more diligent about that when i'm near a city or a town than i am when i'm out middle of nowhere so yeah i just listen to your own inner voice look around observe the situation if there's other people around that look good to you and feel good to you maybe park kind of near them don't park on top of them please but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and yeah just stay within what makes you feel good not everybody not every woman is going to ever feel comfortable traveling full-time by themselves i don't think yeah just people who are uh uh-uh life is scary period and that is just not a thing that you should do if you internally kind of always have some kind of anxiety or Mm. that someone's out to get you. Yeah. It it really might not be for you, but I think for the majority of of women, there's the media that puts all this fear into us. There's getting online and reading all these people saying, Oh, this happened to me or that happened. Well, I think half of them haven't done it and make stuff up like, Oh gosh, yeah, I'd definitely carry a gun. If I went out, you haven't been out. So shut your, yeah. your home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I hope people just use their inner judgment and uh, one of the things yeah. I did want to ask you about is I know you talk about boondocking and not wanting to pay. And, um, <laughs> uh, do, if you, if you've stayed in places like cracker barrels and Walmarts and those oh, kinds yeah. of places and how safe have you felt in those environments? Okay. Those, those, Hmm they're safe. I've almost always felt safe, but I will say I have a very heightened state of awareness when I stay in those places, because I know that these are the places where you've got the low lying fruit people meandering around. So 
I love truck stops. I don't know why they're the noisiest, they're whatever, but I like going in to the big truck stop, get weird stuff in there. You know, you can do showers <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of fascinating, but I'm very hyper aware. I'm like, if I go into my trailer, even if I pull in for gas, anywhere I go, if I go to a gas station, I almost always get in, lock the door behind me in the trailer, do whatever I need to do and then come out. But yeah, I tend to feel fine in most okay. of those places. I, and if I don't, I'm either going to pull over to an area that's very well lit or I'm not going to stay at that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The Cracker Barrel, probably the, you know, least thing can happen. Walmart's, eh, yeah, you've always got some. I had a guy one time right after I, I got there and uh, unhitched or put, no, I put my jack down and unhitched. A guy walks up to me yeah kind of spoofed me I was like whoa this guy's coming right up to me and he had a giant wrench in his hand and he wanted to know if I wanted to buy it oh (laughs) okay this is in Utah somewhere and uh the security guard was right there security Mm. guard came up in the golf cart he's like you can't solicit here I was I was very appreciative for that but again it's all about being aware where you position yourself being aware of the feel of the area keep your eyeballs open and Generally, I've, I've never felt unsafe or threatened at any of those types of yeah. places. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're talking a lot about safety and guns and other humans and whatnot, but there's other things out there when we're camping. And I do want to talk a bit about some of those, especially, you know, you're off boondocking. You say you live in, in Arizona. Um, for me, one of the scary things about going to someplace like Arizona is the fear of like snakes. Oh yeah. So, you know, let's talk about other kinds of safety besides, um, guns and, and people, but like the other things that can, you know, hurt us when we're out camping. Okay. I'm going to go into snakes, but I want you to remind me if I forget to talk about the finger. Oh yeah. I'm not going to forget because that's in my notes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's funny. I looked up because I had two dogs when I first hit the road and I wondered, gosh, how are we going to keep them safe from snakes? You know? So I'd be in, I'd be in the Southwest in the winters. I hardly saw many snakes at all when I was full-time on the road. Then when I got to Arizona, I bought here a year ago, (laughs) I guess. Okay. I know why. Cause typically you don't stay down in the Southwest when it gets really warm. So so during the winter season, which is when most RVers are here, there's not. You just the snakes are down, they're in their mm. little holes and they stay there. You do not have to worry about them. Then come about maybe the end of March, you might start seeing one here or there. Now here on my property, I'm in Marana, Arizona. Last April, we didn't leave until June, beginning of June. Last April, it was like one day I walked outside and there was rattlesnakes. It seemed like they were they were oh, everywhere. They were like, everywhere. And so it was heightened alert time, heightened alert. At that point, if you're down in the Southwest, I would say you just better absolutely have your dog on a leash at all times mm. because they are, they can be anywhere. They can curl up right underneath the stepper, right under a tire of your RV. Um, it is scary. That is that I'm more scared of that than I'm scared of anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, scared for myself, scared for the dogs. So yeah, leash your pets, um, big time watch out for yourself. But again, it's really not a worry until you're hitting, at least down here, I'm at about 2000 feet of elevation. You're looking at 
you know, late March or April. Okay. Um, okay. I've seen bear on trail a couple times and they never wanted anything to do with me or the people around me. They just, they head away. Do you carry, um, uh, do you carry bear spray? I don't. Oh yes. Yes. When I'm in those areas, I'll carry bear spray. Okay. But the thing that actually I'm, I'm most worried about when I'm out camping, boondocking, doing whatever, wherever I am is other people's dogs. Oh. oh man. I've been run up on and, you know, darn near attacked more than once. Mm. Um, people with off leash dogs, just, they let them go, let them do their thing. You don't know whether that dog is going to attack you, you kill your dog. Mm-hmm. They tend to pee on your stuff. They poop. No one's there to pick it up. It's yeah. that's my biggest annoyance. So now I have dog spray, you know, much as oh. I hate it on a dog, it's not the dog's fault that they're out running around right. doing the thing. Um, I also need to protect my dog. My dog is 2.6 pounds and she's easily edible. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think it's called halt. Got this yeah. spray I think so. my postal carrier uses that. Yeah. Or has that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because hello, people take care of your dog. Don't let your dog just, it's not a human. <laughs> you shouldn't be letting it go running around off leash. It's, it's just a nuisance. So yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve and biggest fear over snakes, over humans, over mm. bears, over anything. Is Interesting. Yeah. Okay. You're keeping your dog alive. So I used to travel with a dog, which I just recently lost my dog, but, um, and I haven't really traveled much without her. And I know for me, just having a dog made me feel safer. Right. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, because I just knew she would protect me. And also people are, regardless if she would or wouldn't, people see a dog. And I think they're, like you said, the low hanging fruit, and they're just going to be, do I have to go through that dog? Right. Um, and she was a little scary. So um, <laughs> husky, right? Husky or some uh, kind of- Yeah, she was a Malamute. She's yeah. Malamute. Yeah. Oh. She's very sweet, but also she could be a little, a little cranky too. That's a really um, good point you bring up though. Um, People do have bigger dogs at times. And I think they just have this inner, they don't even think about, you know, right. Danger, stranger danger, because their dog is always going to alert them. And if they have a big dog, then people typically will stay away. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're really nervous about it, maybe get yourself a big dog and love it to death. And, and it'll also make you feel more, more comfortable. Yeah, it's interesting. I interviewed uh, one woman earlier this year who has a small dog and she actually felt like the small dog made her less safe. She did a lot of um, boondocking or stealth camping in cities. And so her dog would have to go out or her dog would bark. And so she wasn't really stealth. And so that's something also to consider if you're traveling with a dog, the kind of camping you want to do, if you think you're going to be stealth in cities. The dog, the dog is definitely something to consider. Yeah, for sure. I've been really lucky. My dogs aren't barky. They don't, Mm. they'll bark if somebody comes up and they don't know them, but if they just are in, after in the car or something, they hear something, they don't tend to bark. So yeah. But if you've got a really barky dog and you want to do the van stealth thing, good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It might be, it might be hard. So let's, let's go back to the finger incident. So this is another uh, thing that I wanted to talk about is just keeping yourself safe physically or what to do if you're solo and you do run into some kind of emergency out there. 
usually probably not having to do with another human. So let's tell us your, your scary finger story. So yeah, this, this really opened up my eyes, my business partner's eyes and the friends that were with us that camping can kill you, you know, (laughs) who knocking you, it can kill you. You can die. There are definitely ways that you can lose your life. So we were in Valley of the Gods, which is in Mexican hat, Utah, I believe. Mm. Very, very rural area. Tons of space, beautiful setting. I had been camping with about 15 different friends. Little by little people left and we were, we were the last ones to leave. We had three other campers with us at that time and we were hitching up. Marshall also has a 24 foot travel trailer. We're hitching up and I hear him call my name and it sounds kind of urgent, but I don't panic right away. I just kind of started to walk out of my, my trailer. And by the time I got to my door, he yelled my name again. And this time it was like, oh shit. You know. So I, I come running out and he's kneeling down by his tire. And um, closer I get, I realize his finger is stuck in between his, his Lynx levelers, his Anderson leveler, and the tire. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in that mm. mix. His finger was stuck and he could not get it out. Something shifted as he was trying to pull them out. Oh, boy. And he, he's, he's freaking out. I'm trying to get down there and look and figure out what it can Is there something I can do? Is there something I can pull? Get this out of here. And, and there was nothing. And he goes, he goes get in and pull it pull forward a little bit because he was hitched up at this point Mm. and I'm like okay so I (laughs) I get into his truck and and I'm like then I think immediately oh god well how much do I pull forward what if I pull forward too much Mm. what what do I do so I kind of I pull him here I think I just tried to inch it forward for a second and he goes immediately he's shouting back up back up and so now I'm really freaked out how much do I back it up back it up this happened about three different times. I think I, I got in, went forward, went back, <gasps> went forward, went back. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, it was horrifying. It was so scary. About the third time, thank God, our friends finally realized something was wrong. They had kind of been looking over like, what's going on over there? Because Marshall wasn't panicking. I wasn't panicking outwardly. Mm. They weren't really sure, but then they were, then they were sure. So they come running over and uh, I don't know what else we tried, except someone finally said, get a jack so and thank god again thank god they were there because i don't know how to use a jack i still oh. memorize how to use a jack but um grabbed the jack got it out of someone's truck real quick and stuck it under there and jacked the trailer off mm. oh it was so flat it was so flat. oh no out. i thought it was done like from the side it was it was impossibly flat Oh, so I thought, well, there goes Marsha's finger. But, 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 you know, so then we're all calling someone's mom who's a nurse and um, getting ice on it and things like that. And it slowly dawns on you that what if he was out here by himself? Yeah. <laughs> what if, yes, we were right by the road where cars are driving by to go mm. back. But what if no one saw him? What if no one heard him? They're, they're driving by fast. It's a, it's a fast road in their cars on a gravel dirt road. So yeah, that was a, um, it was shocking. So I've, I've, I've done follow-up article about that saying, here's some things, if you're going to go RV or camp by yourself, 
a lot of things can kill you. You, you really need mm. to be able to reach people in, in the event of an emergency. So I think the top takeaway from that was if you're going to go out and buy yourself anywhere, either keep your, your phone on you at all times, which isn't really practical. Plus you have to be in an area where you've got cell service and good right. service. So they have those, what are they called? Do you know what I'm The GPS. Them? Yes. There's an the emergency. Name. Yeah. There's a name for one I have in mind, but I can't, can't bring it up. But tra- track something. Yeah. And we were just, just yeah. before we even did this start of the podcast, Kathy and I were talking about getting a GPS for our pets. Yeah. So I've, I've had GPS for my pets, but yeah, it's like a GPS for humans. Uh, where you can reach it's out. It's a gar- Garmin in reach. Thank you. That's the there one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say to have one of those and keep it on your body at all times. I mean, if you have to strap it around your neck, what, because you could be walking along on a trail, slip and fall, break a leg. I and- have, I mean, I've definitely been out hiking on my own and fallen and, and sprained my ankle and, oh. you know, luckily just, I had the kitten in the backpack on my back. Too. Um, I was looking at a bird or something, you know, and just like fell and, uh, you know, luckily it was just sprained and I could hobble my way back out. But yeah, I think about that and those garment, but those garment and reaches aren't cheap. No, they're not. But, but again, what's your life worth? I mean, yeah, you really, if, if, if something happened to you and say you suffered for three days with no food, water, freezing temperatures, yeah. and someone found you, wouldn't you have been like kicking yourself? If I just had a Garmin, mm-hmm. oh, I wouldn't have right. had to suffer through that and possibly die. I mean, that's, that's horrifying. That's very, very scary. So I think that'd be my one takeaway. I have other tips. I mean, you know, try to camp near people that in, within shouting distance, yeah. camp with friends if you can. Always mm-hmm. let them, people know where you're going, where you're going to be, when you're supposed to be back. But yeah, yeah camping can kill you. <laughs> and Ooh. and so can going to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is very true. So don't let don't let the, the fear of whatever keep you from doing it. I think that's one of the things that you talk about in one of your articles is I think uh, women have this idea that they're, they shouldn't be scared or that they're not going to be scared. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing is, is we are going to get scared out there from time to time, but that doesn't mean it's not still worth it to go. Right. There's a reason for that fear. Yeah. To keep us alive, to keep us aware of our surroundings. Um, If we didn't have it, we may not live quite so long. Um, And the, the fear, yeah, I think it's, it has its place, but some people become consumed by it and it does cause them to not take action. And that right there is a sad fact. Yeah. Because, Hey, those five and a half years are probably the most fantastic years of my life. Mm. I, if I didn't do it, I could easily look back and regret not doing it, but you almost never look back and regret things that you did. Right. You regret what you didn't do. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, kind of off topic, but I found a, a reality and an existence, I think, that I never knew existed before once I hit the road. And by that, I mean, I learned, I found out what the true community can feel like. Mm. I, I made friends. I made lots of friends on the road. And 
we all keep up with each other in, in, in ways I've never done with any, any people I've worked with or lived in the same neighborhood with, which is usually the two commonalities you, yeah. you have with other humans. And okay, maybe I often say, well, I think I understand why people love sports now. Part of the reason people like sports or guys like sports is because it gives them an instant in, you know, oh my gosh, you love the Rams. I love the Rams too. Oh, high five. And, and right. instant buddies, because you have something more in common than just being human and living on this earth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I've, I, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I have this property now in Marana and I, I've made sure to get enough property that my friends can come and mm. stay in the RVs. So it's kind of a revolving door now of people. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to everybody that hits the road the way I did it. And the clubs, the club that I joined helped out quite a bit. Um, that's escapers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I don't know, life, it's just different. It's different now. Yeah. Even though I'm part-time stationary, my friends come through. So I have this sense of community where I never did have it before. And as a newly single female back in 2015, I had no idea that this could be how life was. Yeah. So it's just, just something else I wanted to say. So you came off the road um, from full-time travel. Do you still go out in your RV? Yeah, last year. Um, so I bought the place December before last. And Marshall, who's my my business partner, is also now my roommate. Um, oh, okay. Wait, I need to ask. <laughs> I need to ask about how Marshall's finger is. Oh, now. It's, it's fully recovered now. Yes. Okay. And it's even not thin there anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, he didn't lose it. Good. Yeah. But he still has some numbness, numbness and weird tingling uh, happens yeah. every moment, but, but no, he's good. But, okay. Um, oh, so last summer we didn't intend to stay here during the heat. So we'd left, we would have left sooner, but my back went out and, but we left in June. I was out for about six months. He was out for about five mm. months. He came back sooner than I did. We were out half the year, basically. Okay. This year, we're buckling down more and just we're just going to focus on the camp addict a lot more mm. this year. And it's hard to when you're traveling. So when you're boondocking, you know, you have to move at least once every two weeks, typically. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. That takes resources. It takes energy. It takes planning. So I think we're going to try to stick here through the summer. But I have little trips that I'm doing here and there. You know, yeah. I went to the quartzite for Halloween. Mm. I'm going down to Sonoida uh, with some friends uh, next next weekend. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate this conversation, and hopefully, it's sparking some thoughts for women who are out there and and really considering like what is safe or not safe to do. So, I really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your personal experience with us. I really appreciate you having me on. And I really appreciate this topic because again, I've been on both sides of the fence and I know what it's like to be on. I've already done it side Mm -hmm. that you don't have to be worried all the time, fearful all the time. And I just want to spread that to other women who are considering going this route. It's, it's a ball. I highly recommend it. Great. All right. Thanks so much. And hopefully we'll see you out there on the road sometime. I really want to thank my guest, Kelly. That was a great conversation. Here are my key takeaways. 
Number one, boondocking can be safer than camping in highly populated areas, as criminals are often looking for easy targets. Number two, before you get a gun, really think about if you would use it. Could you shoot another person? Number three, keep your dogs on leash if you're in rattlesnake country. Actually, keep your dogs on a leash, period. They can be the scariest things to both humans and pets alike when camping. Number four, consider getting a tool such as a Garmin in reach for emergency situations where you don't have a cell signal. And number five, solo travel can be a great way to meet community and lifelong friends. Thanks again for listening to the Solo Women RV podcast. Please join our email list over at solowomenrv.com to stay up to date on all things Solo Women RV travel related. And if you like what you heard today, please consider becoming a podcast sponsor. Details can be found over at anchor.fm slash kathy-belge. And if you heard something today that you think someone else could benefit from, please share this episode with them or leave us a review on Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Solo Women RV Podcast theme music is Field Station by Nicole Potolsky. And until next week, we'll see you out there on the road.